The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan All-Star Picks Edition. And we have much to discuss here. I found this a more difficult exercise than in the past. In part, I don't know if you experienced this, John. I felt like I kind of ran out of candidates that I really liked towards the end of these teams. Uh, I certainly did. Uh, I think injuries have had a lot to do with that, too. Uh, Some of the perennials uh, really don't have that strong a case this year. And so that made things more interesting. Yeah, I struggled a little bit with the format too, particularly with the positions. I might have had an easier job if it weren't for the positional aspects in terms of running out at, in at certain times. I so, would agree with that. So I, I guess before we get started here, we've you and I have talked about this before, but to make this a holistic view of All-Stars, what are some of your general philosophies in picking all-stars my general philosophy is that um i'm trying to pick the 12 best players in the conference and i'm not i'm trying not to get too sucked into this reward for winning bullshit that all the coaches get off on um and it it really you know you have to ask yourself because most of the worst all-star selections in recent memory are the third best player on a really good team or the fourth best player sometimes. And you go back and look and you're like, come on, like a year, even a year later, you're like, wow, that wasn't, that wasn't good at all. Um, wait, tried- wait, wait, you're telling me, you tell me Julius Randall is not in your all-star consideration. This well, year? that's the other thing. Surprise teams. Yeah. Surprise teams always get too much of a boost. Um, so sure. that's definitely a thing too. Um, and then the other, thing is I'm trying not to overvalue injuries. In other words, if somebody missed 15 games, it seems like a lot right now. They're going to end up playing 65 games though or whatever. So it's like when you go back and look at the season, you're like, if the guy played in an all-star level, like what's what's the big deal here? Like I think, for example, like leaving Jimmy Butler off the team last year, I thought was uh, not right um, just, no. just because he had missed some games. And I, I think you go back and look clearly, you're like, you know, come on, Jimmy Butler was an all-star caliber player. And so uh, I, I think that takes precedence for me and then i try to think in my mind the big picture of not reacting too much to just half a season um you know trying to think in the back of my head is player x really better than player y no that's uh, i will second all of that and i think yeah the if the argument is well this team needs x number of all-stars i think that that's disrespectful to the other players on that team necessarily that well hey if this team is really good they should have three all-stars or they should have two all-stars it's like well maybe it's just more about the fact that they have seven really good players instead of two yeah like teams yeah, can exactly. be built that way exactly exactly um, 
So, and I, I will second what you were saying about the missing games component here. I'm going to assume that players are going to play the rest of the season, or if they are out with an injury right now, that they will return on the timeline being discussed, and then we'll play the, the rest of the season. Because it is, this is these are the all-stars for this season. And so I want to fall, I want to avoid falling into the trap of, well, who's, this is just who's played the best so far, because it really is an honor for the whole season it is an honor that is going to not that i actually have a vote or that anyone listens to me but this is an honor that is going to go into guys hall of fame resumes for example and so you just don't you just don't want something that's going to look dumb at the end of the season and so yeah i certainly default back to some guys have think uh, is better. million dollar bonuses uh depending on this too <laughs> So, so my general thought on the injuries is if you've missed more than 50% of the season so far, that's kind of the cutoff to me where like, okay, you're probably not really going to be eligible for a consideration. Maybe if you're just an all time great, that's still in, in their prime, you know, maybe if it's, and you're also supposed to play the rest of the season, then I might make an exception there. Or if just the player who you're competing with is not that good, that's a, another way of looking at it. So, uh, yeah. And I think, you know, historical track records and just who we think is better can also be a tiebreaker here as well and i also i'm willing to fudge on positions when the guy legitimately has played both of those positions if the guy just doesn't play that position at all and hasn't in years and years and years a little foreshadowing i cannot put him at that position regardless of whether he is technically regardless whether he's technically considered eligible at that position so you want to start east or west uh let's start in the east Okay. Wow. It's, has anyone ever said that before? <laughs> hey, the East is arguably a better conference this year. I, maybe, I, maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe not, but it's 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 at least an argument worth having. Um, yeah. Well, we, an argument we'll not worth seen. having. An argument not worth having is who our three front court starters are in the East. Demontis Sabonis. No. I I, I fear not. Uh, <laughs> I, although he he's I'm not being too. We, we'll we'll talk him. about him more in a bit. He's he is a yeah. candidate. Um, sure. I'm I'm just pushing. Nate's buttons here. Um, so Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, and Joel Embiid has to be like the most obvious checkboxes on a ballot that you could ever have, right? Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, although, yeah, I, I, I would, you know, if Jimmy Butler had played the entire season and he's going to be on my team because he's really good. He's probably been the sixth best player, fifth best player this year on a per minute basis. He might've gotten up there also, you know, and beat is really coming on as well. I think if we did this after the first month and a half of the season, I would have had Butler over Embiid in the front court. But I think right. now at this point that you can't really make that argument any longer. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, yeah, go ahead. If Butler had played 40 games, I think we might have a stronger argument for him, especially if he had played 40 games at the level he had played the 20-whatever that he played. Um, So, But without that, I think it's pretty easy to say Giannis Duran and and Bede this last couple weeks has just been an absolute freaking monster. Um, What's going on with Brooklyn, by the way? Like, they they just look like they don't give a hoot. Well, I think the issue is that they've always been like this this year. It's just they've had such ridiculous shooting luck that it's now starting to normalize and it looks a lot worse than it did. And it was also, it's probably, it was always, it was easier for them to pack the paint just psychologically when opposing teams just were missing open threes. And you're just like, all right, I guess we, it's fine to just not guard them out there. Now that if opponents are going <laughs> right. to start making, 
Opponents are going to start making shots. Also worth noting that they haven't been able to hit a three these last few games either. But no, it's definitely a concern. And I think that KD can bring it at times defensively. He's playing so many minutes though. And he, he's always been kind of a game-to-game waning effort guy on the defensive end. And, and then their crunch he, time offense right now is just, Kevin, please do something. Help us, right? Yeah. And, and Harden, it, I was really optimistic about them just two weeks ago, right? James Harden just kicked ass in both those games in LA after he came, yeah. had some time off from COVID. You're like, okay, the, the, now they got James Harden back playing at the level he was at last year and KD is still really good and you know, Kyrie will be playing half the games now and or 45% of the games and then it's it just it's it's not been that good so I, I'm I'm very interested to see what it is with them like is it because if it's the the stars aren't that good then it's like ooh, that, that, I don't know if you can solve yeah. that problem if it's just all right yeah. they got Joe Harris out and they kind of got you know they're playing all these defensive guys so then their offense doesn't look that good that's that's more solvable I don't know it's it's one of those things where it's annoying because they have so much talent even if they play like this the rest of the year and they're like the five seed you're still not going to write them off in a playoff series yeah totally yeah i agree i mean they're sort of they're better than the lakers but they they are lakers east in some respects where even no matter how poorly they play those guys are going to be leery of drawing them in the playoffs absolutely yeah right yeah Yeah. i mean that's a great point right nobody's going to be wanting to play them um okay so i did have another front court player that you know was kind of close to those top three guys of kd Giannis, and Embiid, but I, i will wait to talk about that until later because i think he's going to come up as we talk about the guard okay who who are your guard starters uh so going by the letter of the law on the ballot my guard starters are demar Derozan, and then this this is a tough one um because when i did this with the athletic with with josh robbins we came up with trey young as a starter the more i've thought about this i actually think drew holiday should be the starter yeah that's I can't quite go there. I, I I mean, I know the Hawks have disappointed. If you want to say that their terrible defense is partly Trey's fault, I understand. But to me, experience has shown that when your defense sucks, it's not generally truly the guards' fault. The guards can contribute, but then you'll see these guys who you're like, oh, these guys were terrible defensively, and then they get good pieces around them, and all of a sudden they're fi- the team is fine defensively. So I think it's a, a Devin Booker is a perfect example of that, right? He, he used to just yeah. get killed for his defense. Now he has more physical tools, obviously, than Trey. But And as soon as they actually got good coaching and good pieces around them, all of a sudden they're fine, right? And so mm-hmm. the Atlanta Hawks, are the number two offense in basketball and i wouldn't say that they have awesome talent around trey young they are have either first or second in avoiding turnovers which is i'm being able to give trey young the ball and have him make all the decisions is huge there Mm -hmm. and then you look at the massive drop-off he is the largest drop-off of any player at least when i looked at it last week in terms of when he's on the floor versus off the floor on the offensive ends he's just such a valuable offensive player and i just am not I, and I think this was he got killed because remember he the second his second year he starts the all-star game mm-hmm. then last year or, or yeah I can't remember if it was his second or third year and then last year he didn't even make the team last year and he was actually better last year and it was just oh well his team record they're 14 and 20 yeah. with Lloyd Pierce well we can't pick him now and I think it would be I mean he's gonna make your team I'm, I'm sure but yeah. I think it would be foolish to fall into this and Drew I, he's been awesome this year his impact metrics are very good but he's still not really an offensive 
offensive engine. That's more what you need at, at the guard position. And I think most teams in, in the league, Trey Young is going to make way more of an impact. He's basically been an awesome offense by himself. And that there, how many guys in the league can you say that about? Ten, if that. Yeah, that would be that would be the biggest argument for Trey is that 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 Drew fits better as the number two guy with an awesome talent. He is, he is more complimentary in some ways because Trey, you almost have to put on the ball, but he's so good on the ball that you would, you would do that reg- almost regardless of who else was on his team. Well, um, well, so, so, so yeah, here's the other thing too. I, what happened to Zach Levine? Why is he not a part of this discussion? I just don't think he's on the level of those guys. I mean, he's been good, but I mean, certainly, certainly you would say DeRozan has been better than Levine, right? Like, we can settle uh, that, right? I think it's closer than a lot of people think. I think DeRozan, his improvement in the impact metrics is a lot due to just that they've been really awesome defensively when he's on the floor, which I'm sorry, I don't give him any. Well, I, I'll give him a little credit for that because you can play more defensive lineups with him because of his resilient isolation scoring, but he's not a good defensive player. They're doing that in spite of him. And so I think Levine to me is, I'm not, I view those guys as kind of co-number ones and I don't view DeRozan as a guard as we'll talk about more. I mean, so, him being on the ballot at guard is ridiculous, right? He he has not yes. played guard I- at all in years. And so, and how he was listed as a guard on a team that everyone knew coming into the year was starting Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine as their guards. Like, like who, who came up with this ballot? Like, what is that? Yeah, he hasn't played a minute at guard in three years, and he's played more power forward than he has small forward. And, okay, he handles the ball a lot, that's true. But to me, when I think of positions, I look at who's on the floor with you and where you fall in the positional spectrum and who you're guarding. So Absolutely. So, Luka Doncic, forward size, guards forward but he is playing point guard. He's or or he's playing the two when you look at who's starting with him. Whereas DeRozan, he's he's playing either the three or the four based on who else is on the floor with him. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. sure as hell isn't guarding any guards unless it's on a switch. Absolutely. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John and Benedict used PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina, 
to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War One battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media, Get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase. Easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level. Today, that's shopify.com slash PER. Um, but, but anyway, so yeah, if he were eligible at guard to me, he would have been the choice here, but yeah, I mean, I just like Zach Levine shoot 40% for three again. He's awesome on the fast break. He's not great defensively, but he's improved to not be a horrible liability there now. And, and he's also been, had to guard the three a lot, which he's done reasonably well when they've gone to Caruso and Lonzo in the backcourt. And he breaks defenses because you can't just let him shoot a three off the pick and roll. You got to bring your big up and that opens up so much more stuff for for them so i to me i think those guys are very close to one another and i i think drew uh again just he's more of a number two you can value that you might say that if you're truly trying to win a championship maybe drew holiday is better for you than zach levine i, I would really depend on the pieces around them but i i mean i don't they're zach levine has has been resilient with his getting to the foul line he's been just as good as last year if not more so so i i why would you say that drew is better than living you just think he's a better player overall DeRozan uh so no 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 so Drew versus Levine I'm talking about now yeah I I do kind of think Holiday's just a better player I mean I I think he I mean the defensive difference I think is significant when you get into the high level uh games um and the like the fact that Holiday could be a number two offensive engine and still guard the best player on the other team and guard them well um is he a number two offensive engine 24 percent usage and uh you know he's he's been shooting it better this year 58 percent true shooting that that's pretty good but i'd really you know are you you putting the ball in his hands at the end of games to run run pick and roll like he seems like really more of a complimentary guy to me i think ideally at the at the in a high level game he probably is um Uh, yeah i I, I don't know when in in new orleans when he was the number one i mean it would bog down late in games to him just dribbling around looking for stuff now some of that was some wonky play calls and stuff too but it it didn't always go great um getting back to the speaking of late game though i i would say that is one reason to put DeRozan ahead of the rest of this cohort uh is that he has been so good in the most important moments yeah no i I think that's true although again there is some maybe the best clutch player so far this year which that i could give you a little tiebreaker there that's that type of stuff does kind of tend to normalize out uh, over the course of the season uh, unless you're chris paul and chris 
Paul's teams, but few other teams really have had the consistency to be good at, uh, over, you know, I mean, I'll put it this way. I don't expect DeMar DeRozan to hit game-winning one-legged double-pump three-pointers uh, or one-legged or double-pump three-pointers the rest of the season, right? That's Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. But it's it's in his record from the first half of the season. So I feel like I, I, I can't totally disregard that either. And he's had other, like, he's been pretty good late in games, even aside from those two shots. No, absolutely. That, that's true. They've And teams have had trouble dealing with his mid-range game. That, I, I completely agree. And as I said, if I were willing to be intellectually dishonest and put him at guard, he would. he's had a better season than, I would say, Trey, Levine, and Drew Holiday. I had Zach Levine as my other guard starter, along with Trey, uh, and Drew as my first guard reserve. Obviously, DeRozan is a front court reserve. I think we, we don't need to talk about that much anymore. Um, should, should we finish? Well, all right. So, so where do you want to go next year, then? We've got our... We've both put our starters out there i think we've we've all got these guys on the team that we're talking about um mm-hmm. so who, who do we need to talk about next here uh we need to talk about our front court reserves in the east right yeah so i i've got butler and DeRozan in there and then i need one more Okay, so okay, so I actually I actually went by the letter of the law and listed DeRozan as a guard. But as I as I look at it, it doesn't. I don't think it impacts who I ended up with as my top twelve. Um, okay. So I would have had, I guess, uh, DeRozan, Butler as front court reserves if, if we're doing it that way. And then my last front court reserve would have been. This is where it gets a little. <laughs> No, I mean th- there really wasn't anyone that I felt great about for the last front court reserve. So, so who are the Jared candidates? Allen? Yeah, Jared Allen. So, mm-hmm. so uh, who are some of the candidates here? Let's let's go through uh, the front court candidates: Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, uh, Demontis Sabonis. Yep. And then uh, J- Jared Allen, I think, would be the other one. Who who else would it, would be a front court candidate in the East? Yeah, Bam Adebayo would have been on there, but I think I ultimately had yeah. to disqualify him as he, he just has hardly time. played at all. I just don't think you can you can put him in there. Yeah, and, and he's also still going to miss more time before the break. He's going to end up having played what twenty five percent of the season yeah. by the time the All Star game rolls around. That's and he's not on the level of a guy who's like, oh, it's not the All Star game without this guy yeah 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 and like who else you got like atlanta's big guys you know capella you might have put in if you did this in june but you certainly wouldn't now no and and john collins is kind of he's really efficient but he's not solving their defensive problems and he's not as as big of a offensive focal point so I think ultimately I would have to go with Tatum as my last front court spot over Jared Allen. I think he's just better. J- Jared Allen, I just I know that the impact numbers are pretty good. You know, is he defensive player of the year year caliber defender? I think he's been pretty solid there uh, and the Cavs defense has been really good. How much of that is him? How much is it him playing together with Mobley? You know, we haven't really seen this kind of an impact from him before. Previously, I do like that he's posting up a little bit, but he's also also, like they've even closed some games without him on the floor and with Mobley at center, which kind of gives you a little bit of pause. I just, I'm not, I can't quite get there yet with him over a guy in Tatum who, yeah, 54% true shooting is not amazing. His, his passing hasn't been great. His finishing has been weirdly awful this year. Mm-hmm. But I, he just has so much of a track record that I wouldn't want to pick Jared Allen over him at this point in time. That He might make one of my wild card spots. Okay. Um, it's going to be interesting because I think there's going to be surprise teams. They always want to put somebody on from them. There's going to be overwhelming momentum 
awesome, I think, to put somebody from Cleveland on the team. Um, do you agree um, yeah, that, that's, I mean, that somebody should be Jared Allen if they take somebody from Cleveland? Yeah, you're not you're not a Garland guy. Yet? I just I just don't think he's on that level. He's been good, but I just don't think he's been on that kind of level where you know, especially when we start talking about some of these other guards, like <laughs> Darius Garland isn't as good as these guys. Yeah, we'll see. We'll have to go through it and see there. But so okay. so so your last front court spot is Jared Allen. I've got Jason Tatum in my last front court spot. Yep. So let's let's finish out now because for those who don't recall, on the reserves you get two guards, three front court, and then two wild card spots. Yeah. So let's finish out with the guards. I, I've got okay. Trey and Levine and Drew already, mm-hmm. and I, you got no problems with those guys, right? Those would be in your top three guards. Yes, and then yeah. the other guard for me is Fred VanVleet. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty obvious. Just absolutely killing it in some of the impact metrics. His averaging over 20 points a game. His two-point shooting has gotten at least somewhat respectable. You know, he's not shooting 39% from two like he has at times in his career. Yeah. His his shooting off the pick and roll uh, from three and his ability to shoot deep threes. And then also uh, one of the best defenders at the point guard position. So I, yeah, I think he that's, that's where it really gets more believable for me. Like, part, cause part of me worries the clock is going to strike midnight a little on some of these 30 foot threes off the dribble he's been making. But even if those numbers come down, his defensive impact is still going to be there. And so that's what makes me a little more, feel a little more solid about putting him on the team. Yeah. And also it's when you, uh, I'm just not sure who, Who's another candidate who's been better than him at the guard position? I don't. I just don't see. Like, are you going to tell me uh, Bradley Beal? Maybe you could say he's a better player than Van Lee. He'd probably be more coveted on the trade market. But he just Beal has just been has struggled so badly this yeah. year. It's just it's yeah. It gets difficult. And then you know, Lamelo, no way. Like Fred Van Bleet is just better than Lamelo. I think right now, especially when you throw in the defense. And I'm not even sure Lamelo is better than him on offense. Honestly, at this point, um, you know, it, it, Van Bleet's a pretty good passer too, and. Both those guys have the problem of not being able to make a two-pointer. And then it, I think it, maybe it's a toss-up between those guys on offense and then Van Vliet's defense is just so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah, I, I didn't really and, – and, you know, I, Garland I think is kind of in this mix too. Um, I, I guess, well, the other one would be James Hart. I just couldn't get there, man. I, I mean, his his stats are actually okay, but I just watching him, like I just, I just can't get there. Like it just, uh, I, I I don't know. There are just so many moments where I'm where I'm like, dude, wake up! Like, wh- what's going on out there? Yeah, uh, and and uh, I mean, there as we talked about, their defense hasn't been that bad, but I'm not giving James Harden credit for that, and I'm giving a lot of luck, a lot of credit for that as well. He was on my team though, but I I had him as as a wild card. Uh, I think just he he's struggle coming back from the hamstring i think he's gonna play better over the rest of the season uh, and he still gets to the foul line enough one of the top guys in the nba and assists i, I think it just uh, there i would have as much backlash to harden as anybody but i just it's still hard for me to dismiss what he's doing statistically and then you also put the track record in and there was a, there also just wasn't anyone else that blew me away in after these these top guys um yeah so let's let's talk about our last two spots then yeah um so my first wild card is tatum uh yeah. so that gets us to 11 uh I, yeah and, and and i had harden you know i guess we've got jared allen still in here uh beal and middleton just you know those guys were kind of on the lower end of the all-star conversation to me in most years and then just haven't been and just haven't had the years I mean, completely agree under completely 30%. agree on both of them yeah yeah, yeah 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 and it's not like oh the wizards are 20 and 20 okay but they have like a negative two 
and a half point differential right now and yeah and and when they were winning games they were doing it more with defense than with offense their offense has been in the 20s all year and it's not i don't think they have like a bad offensive supporting cast around beal i think he's been one of the biggest reasons why they've disappointed off oh absolutely he can't make a three and then he's i feel like something's going on with him physically like sometimes like going like planting his leg or going to the right like he just like conks out um so i I think there's something i don't i don't know what's going on there but yeah he hasn't been that guy uh this year so when i got down to that last wild card spot i ended up with i mean my consideration set was like james harden jalen brown Lamelo ball demontis sabonis um well should, and, should we talk about sabonis a little bit here yeah i mean it's odd because he's playing a lot better than he did the two times he was selected to the all-star team but the problem is that the east has gotten better uh and so i think it's a it's a tougher field for him to crack yeah and playing better he i think the a big part of the argument for him in past years was they're running everything through him. He's got a bunch of assists. That's the one thing that's down. And he is certainly an elite play finisher. If you watch the film of his 42-point game against the Jazz, I would say maybe two or three of those buckets were self-created. And, you know, Lance Stevenson, I think, assisted him on 10 of those plays around the room. And he could post up underneath against switches, and it's nice to be, for him to be able to do that so teams can't switch you on, on pick and roll, particularly given how limited their ball handlers have been due to injuries this season. But he still is not really a quality defensive option at center their defense has been bad with him on the floor for a long time and so i think he's he's a i sort of think he's similar to deandre ayton offensively but doesn't have the defense that ayton brings and ayton is probably not necessarily going to make the all-star team in the west either so i i think he's he's been very efficient as a play finisher but that's something that has a relative that's replaceable maybe not quite in the volume that he's provided but again just the fit issues around him his issues with their defense i just still can't quite get on board with that and you don't have the well the pacers are the four seed for this two-day period when we're voting this year Oh, I love that. Pick him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's still at the at the end of the day, like it it was tough to uh, to. I I did not have him on the team. Uh, Jalen Brown, I didn't have on. I don't think he's been as good this year. Uh, I I hate watching the Celtics, so that probably uh, di- dives into that a little bit. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling, the collide of football pads, the squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Um, well, well. So, so let me let me ask you this, John. This for this last guy. Who's the best player? Like, who would you just want on your team the rest of the season the most out of the remaining players that we're talking about? Between Lamelo, Braun, Beal, Middleton. Uh, I would have Jared Allen. You already picked him. Garland, Harden. Who, who you haven't picked? 
Uh, am I crazy for saying LaMelo Ball? Yeah, you know, I am I just don't know how to treat LaMelo yet. He's very high in some of the impact metrics. I think he's been pretty bad defensively this year. They are a terrible defensive team. I think they are a fair, a, a fair part of that because they do a lot of switching stuff, but he is just mm-hmm. a complete wallflower in any sort of a physical matchup. And it, okay as a team defender, okay as a rebounder. I mean, good, great rebounder, but I, I don't know how much that, that helps their overall rebounding. I think his rebounding helps their offense more than their defense. Like, it's not like he's getting contested rebounds, but he comes in, he gets the ball, and they are off. And, man, they are hell yeah. on wheels in transition. Yeah, and Charlotte's been a good team. You be, Some might fall into the they need an all-star thing, and I guess he's their best. But but they're they're really an ensemble cast this year. I mean, I think what makes them so difficult to deal with is you've got four guys in the starting lineup that can all do something with the ball, and few teams have four guys who can guard in, yeah. in their starting lineup. I think I think I might end up with Garland. Honestly, I, I left wow. this open. I wanted to talk about it. I think Garland has been better than Lamelo this year. I think he because Lamelo he's just not the same level of pick and roll operator to me that Garland is. He's playing off the ball more. He has so much more talent around him. Uh, and yeah, I, th- I think it might be Darius Garland for me over Jared Allen, um, uh, over Jalen Brown. Beal, Middleton, and Lamelo, but I don't feel great about any of these guys. I I will say that I I, I I'm with you that like between like these five guys or whatever, like I'm just like I'm not like super motivated to get in like a throwdown argument. Can, can I introduce yeah. one wild card to the mix? Because when you had yeah. said who would you rather have for the rest of the season, it got me thinking about another guy who has only played 25 okay. games. Uh, Pascal Siakam. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I thought you were get, you were gonna say a guy who's going to play 25 games with Kyrie Irving. Oh. <laughs> No, I, I think we can go ahead and leave him off. That that seems reasonable. Um, yeah, Siakam has come on. He's and uh, particularly in the last couple of weeks, just his overall numbers aren't quite there yet. But yeah, I mean, it does seem like Toronto is on the come now. That, that they could absolutely that could be one where we look back like, oh yeah, Siakam had the best season of any of these guys. That's that would that wouldn't be crazy to me. Um, let me uh, the Darius Garland case. 58% true shooting is the best of any of these guys that we're talking about here on the guard line. Um, 90% from the line, 40% from three, can play on or off the ball offensively, pulls up off the pick and roll. I, I just think he's a more dangerous guy with the ball than LaMelo. And yeah, I don't know. I just can't, I still think of Jared Allen as like kind of a role player. Mm-hmm. And maybe next year, if he continues this, I may feel differently about it. But I think if you're just a role you know a rim running defending big to me you got to be rudy gobert to be on the all-star team and he's just not there yet for me fair enough you you do you do worry about this taking on a little bit of a tyrone hill vibe a a year from now um the uh yeah i still can't like i I would take Lamelo over garland uh i think i mean even even with garland being superior in pick and roll like Lamelo plays a higher usage role even with more offensive guys around him um so i i don't know i i just i just think he just has has a lot more to him in terms of different ways uh to beat you than than garland does just because he's so much uh bigger and so much more dynamic in transition yeah i mean he can beat you to the rim but then he's gonna shoot uh 45 percent from two that's actually higher than it was before um yeah and they're both they're both you know somewhat similar three-point shooters yeah i just i just think of garland as the better pick and roll app i think it's, i think it's very close honestly and, and i would rather have Lamelo going forward because he's bigger and he's two years younger and 
etc. So yeah, it, that's a tough one. But yeah, I can't, I'm shocked that I'm going with Darius Garland here. But again, it, it could be any of these guys, honestly. And I think, it, and you know, if you're like, who would you ra- most rather have going forward? I mean, maybe that's probably bad. Bradley Beal. He's not going to shoot under 30% for three the rest of the year, is he? I hope not. I hope not. I just, yeah, I just worry, like, is he actually physically right? Like, I guess I wonder about that a little bit. Okay, well, that was uh, fun in the East. Anything else we need to talk about there? Or should we move on to the West? I think I think we move on to the West. And so three three obvious locks to me in the starting lineup: Steph Curry at guard, LeBron James and Nikola Jokic at forward. Yes, but I think in terms of the starters, we got to talk about the other guard and the other front court. Where do you want to start? Let's start with uh, the the other guard spot in the West, because uh, for me that was between Chris Paul and John Morant, and not an easy one to settle. Yeah, I I I went with Ja ultimately on the basis that if we're gonna say he's gonna play play the rest of the season and so is Chris Paul that the games that job miss aren't going to end up mattering that much although amazingly Paul is probably a better bet to play more games than Ja due to their their styles which is yeah that, that'd be crazy to say three years ago about Chris Paul but I mean, oh exactly done, yeah he's done an incredible job uh reworking his diet and whatever you want to ascribe it to to stay healthy and then but yeah I think Ja just has played the larger role he's been on an absolute ridiculous tear lately uh, and he just plays so much larger of a role in Memphis's offense and, and I know CP he's under 20 percent usage now i know he's leading the league in assists but i this is very close to me but i think and particularly with the way jaws ascending i think that when we look back on it at the end of the year i think he's going to be the guy i think that's probably true the thing that gave me a little bit of pause is just like chris paul's impact stats are crazy and they're always crazy Right? No, that's a good point. And Ja is a minus defender and Paul. Now, now, I think it is worth noting for Chris Paul, he almost never guards on the ball. He's he's yeah. almost playing like a three or a four defensively. And now the fact that he can do that as a, it be as that good a point guard instinct or, or that good of uh, defensive instincts as a point guard and he can get down there and get some strips and be strong down there, like that has its own value. But it's also worth noting that they he is not guarding pick and roll every possession like a lot of point guards are like he is you know that's mikhail bridges and and they'll even they'll put booker on bigger yeah. threats before they'd put paul on him yeah although the grizzlies do the same thing with morant a lot too uh oh well yes <laughs> <laughs> i mean they don't let him near, they don't let him near anyone good certainly yeah and ja can't do the stuff as a help defender that chris paul does either so yeah i i think i just think ja's a little better player than chris paul at this point but it you would be I would have no argument either way here. So, and, and I, I guess I just, the, the guy who is just the number one guy driving everything for his offense, the, the way Jaws boosted the usage up, I, I think is, yeah. and Paul, Paul, like he doesn't, his three pointers are down. He doesn't shoot as many anymore. Just, I think that 3% decline usage to now be under 20% usage. I, I think that That's does a, matter. That is a little glaring for a point guard to be that low. I, it's an all-star point guard. I, I would agree with that. Uh, I, I do think that's put some undue pressure on Booker actually to take some maybe, <laughs> you know, less desirable shots because he has to. Um, okay, so I had Jai, you had Chris Paul. What about your other starting front court spot? So that to me was between Rudy Gobert and Draymond Green. Um, and it was a tough call for me. I mean, obviously the two best defensive players in the league, right? Whether you want them 1-2 or 2-1. Um, yeah. And then I just felt Gobert had a little more offensive impact with between his screening, his rim running, his finishing, where, I mean, Draymond Green is a good 
good passer and a good screener, and he knows how to get that engine running in in Golden State. And they're both such system-dependent teams that you can't just say like, well, what if Draymond was on Utah or what if Gobert was on Golden State? Because they would play totally differently if that were the case. Um, but I, I just feel like there's a little more offensive impact from Gobert. Uh, I think that's right. And I also think that Rudy Gobert as I'm not going to say he's done more defensively this year. I, I was asked once, oh, if you switched Gobert and Draymond, which team would experience the larger drop-off? And I think that's clearly Utah. Now, Draymond is probably maybe a little more versatile in the postseason. Um, it, Gobert also has been a little bit more durable. He's only missed time due to COVID as well. He's having maybe his best offensive season. Uh, seeing how the Jazz have dropped off when he's been out these last few glaring, years. Glaring, glaring right yeah uh, uh, more than a little eye-opening I, I think we can say so I went with Gobert by a hair over Draymond. Um, I think some people will have Draymond. I, I understand that as well. That that seems fine. Those guys were kind of neck and neck. And so so should we do guards or reserve guards or reserve front court now? Let's do reserve guards because I think it's fairly easy. So the, uh, we each have our Chris Paul, John Morant loser is the next guy, right? Um, yeah. Well, I then, guess some pe- jazz partisans might say, well, why wasn't Donovan Mitchell? In so that was the other guy the I was going to say is, is Donovan yeah. Mitchell who I think has been really good again. Uh, they're the number one offense. He's the number one guy in that offense. Has uh, probably increased his efficiency, if anything. I think his defense has at times been kind of bad. Um, and I'm, I'm not like even as good as he's been, has he been, has he had the same impact as an offensive player as Morant has this year? I'm not sure I can say that quite. I mean, Utah's got a lot of weapons. Um, I mean, so- I mean, Mitchell, 57% true shoot that's a about two three percent above league average and then 33 percent usage is a very very high number yeah i wouldn't say maybe he's a little bit better than morant defensively but not much at this point unfortunately um you know and you know 88 percent from the foul line to have gotten his two point percentage up to 54 percent like his drives his euro step game i just don't think he's quite on the level of morant as a fast break guy and as a distributor um but again i think uh, we were probably i think it was probably short-sighted to not include mitchell in the starters yeah. conversation that that we just had but I, I think any mitchell paul or morant any of them could be worthy of of starting and i and mitchell has already has played more minutes than morant also if you wanted to use that as a tiebreaker i i guess i just think ja is just a little bit better player than mitchell but that's that's uh, that's very much eye of the beholder i would agree with that The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
Um, but yeah, clearly an all-star. And then, so let, let's finish out here our, our front courts and then we can get into the wild card. Sure. So my front court subs, the two obvious ones were Draymond Green and Carl Anthony Towns. Yep. And then I selected Luka Doncic as a front court player. I I wanted to do that. I looked into some of the, the sites about, and I think he, he can play in the front court. If, you, if, they, if he plays next to Jalen Brunson and Tim Hardaway Jr., is he then a front court player uh, i'm not sure i i ended up putting luca as a as a wild card and i didn't have to okay yeah because because i i mean i i understand what you did there because he guards in the front court so i think that it's certainly having him as front court is more reasonable than having DeRozan in his backcourt <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so but he really just hasn't played there that much this year i mean cleaning the glass says he's played 100 percent of the time at point guard that's i don't i wouldn't say that that's true you know when he plays with brunson yeah. i consider brunson to be the point guard yeah um and, and he also has hasn't played as much but this this is one of those ones where the all-time great i'm willing to overlook that because he's just so much better than the other guys that we're going to be talking about here yeah because he's played 25 games this year and not at his normal level of performance but i I think he's just way better than the other possibilities here. Now, the yeah, other I mean, thing, he's still he's averaging 25 points, eight rebounds, and he assists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not. And then it's interesting because there's a second player that comes into play here who has a similar resume, um, who would be my front court selection if I could not select Luca, and that's Anthony Davis. Who's who played also 20, uh, yeah. 27 yeah. games has been out with an injury is going to be back some point fairly soon we think um so i and i just think he's way the hell better than the other possibilities well i, I mean for, and for context on the injuries he's actually played more minutes than john morant has now davis is going to miss a bunch of time i think he's going to be out until after the all-star break probably with that that knee issue and he has been below his normal standards he can't make a jump shot this year he has not been able to keep this terrible lakers defense afloat uh he is shooting 18 that's with a one and an eight percent from three this year is that good but it, but they're just i mean who are the other front court candidates here if you're not going to make luca a front court candidate i just couldn't come up with anyone and anthony davis is is a you know a hall of fame level of player too so and he, he'll presumably be back for the rest of the year who are the other candidates they're just so underwhelming in the front court you could put paul george in as a small forward who himself is both injured and having an off year yeah i, I mean it's it's paul george versus ad for they've kind of played the same number of minutes and they're both going to be out until the All-Star break. Although uh, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report reported today that there's a possibility that George might miss the rest of the season oh, with that would his be, elbow issue. I think he's, it sounds like he's kind of trying to rehab it. And if that doesn't work, he may go under the knife. Wow. So that, that's a little bit of a concern. I, I think I think between AD and Paul George, it's close. The rest of these guys are... Otherwise, you're Porzingis looking at guys like and, Perzingis, DeAndre Ayton, Brandon Ingram, like guys where you're like, well, that guy, like he's not supposed to be in the All-Star game like come on yeah right? andrew wiggins is getting <laughs> yeah is getting yeah. pushed for, from the warriors and it's just exactly no, it's not. like andrew wiggins is uh, he he'll come in with some timely scoring every now and then and i think he's been solid defensively but he just he doesn't look like an all-star out there you know that if you select him you're just like well the warriors need a third guy yeah which um, and what and say the same with like you know that's ayton's argument with phoenix that's you know the yeah and, and andrew wiggins is not better than mikhail bridges right or yeah or if, 
yeah, he's no, he's not. Or, you know, what, whatever the difference between them is, it's like, yeah, they're 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 guys who are your third or fourth best player. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, these guys are role players. That's yeah. what that's what they are. They're, and DeAndre Ayton is a role player. Very good role player. But I think that's just not really. Uh, and also like those guys are not top 25 players in the NBA. You know, they, they just aren't. And uh, so. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're you by putting Luca on, you're giving us the best possible team. I just couldn't go there just in terms of the number of minutes that he's played. OK, forward, um, even even though I when I do my position rankings, I rank him as as a small forward. But it's still he just hasn't played there this year. That's just not how their yeah. team is built. Um, But but Luca obviously should be on. Right. Yeah. yeah so so totally. oh, but but here, sorry, quickly. I did go with AD in my final okay. court spot uh, okay. and didn't again, didn't feel great about it, but he's still Anthony Davis and the, the guys below Brandon Ingram. If he didn't have a terrible first month of the season. Yeah. That, that was the thing with me with Ingram. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm putting him on the team for three good weeks. Like, come on. Like it, I, I just couldn't get there. Um, so uh, Russell Westbrook in, in consideration for you at guard or. <laughs> I, I had I had him in the uh, in the three point shooting competition. Ah, of of course, of course. Um, so that leaves us with our remaining wild card spots. Devin Booker to me has to get one of those. Yeah, He's- but Booker is the obvious one for the for the first wild card spot. No no doubt yeah. about it. So then it really comes down to that that last spot in which I guess you have Luca in and yeah. for me it's like okay so you're not going to take Damian Lillard right because he's been not anywhere near his former level and injured uh same with Paul yeah. George uh Darren Fox just uh, what happened there like just yeah to 25% three point shooting is what happened yeah um you know and then you get guys like DeJounte Murray Shea Gilgis Alexander they've been good but like yeah I mean Shea is 52% true shooting right if Shea Gilgis Alexander were having the year he had last year uh, you'd say this about a lot of guys obviously then, yeah. then he would probably be a no-brainer but uh he's been hasn't been able to hold up under the crazy load that he's needed on, on a limited OKC team yeah. so yeah I, I I finished it out with Luca so who is your last pick then and Anthony Davis at the end like it's to me it's like am I taking DeJounte Murray or Anthony Davis and like the the difference in talent level is just too much right um you know Perzingis has actually been good but he's only played 791 minutes like I I just can't quite get there uh you know same with Aiton so to me it came down to Davis or Murray and and it's got to be Davis no I'm in agreement there um okay so uh, I think we have the exact same team them in the west and we just got there a little bit differently yeah wow great minds um quick quick question here because we don't actually get to see these teams play each other anymore would you would you take the east east team or the west team who's better let's see i just how do you defend a team with curry and Jokic? yeah (laughs) i don't know man that's now now obviously we have to change the lineup a little bit because i think we have to bring gobert off the bench and start uh draymond or or luca or somebody so we so we don't have gobert and Jokic playing with each other but uh i i would i would go with the west i think i think their backcourt is a little better um and i think on talent like you know, even though Luca and Davis haven't had particularly good years, like you're playing one game, and if they're healthy, I would certainly that bench for the West looks better than the bench for the East. No, I I agree with you. I, I mean, when in the West we were our my last pick was Luka Doncic, and in the East my last pick was either Darius Garland or I guess yours would have been Lamelo Ball. 
Lamelo Lamelo Ball and Jer- Jared Allen is on the team. So I'm yeah, there there the West I think still has a little bit more overall talent, but I mean that East front court is pretty badass. So Embiid, Giannis, and oh totally, yeah, KD, yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, we we didn't even have to talk about LeBron James, automatic starter, age thirty seven season, having the best age thirty seven season anyone's ever had, up near a career high in true shooting, in part due to the fact that he's now a center and he's getting spoon fed at the rim a lot more. But uh, and they can't defend in that group. But still, I mean, it, it's just wanted to talk a little bit about what LeBron James is doing again at, at this age. It's insane. It is. And it's funny because it looked at the start of the year that we were really seeing him decline. Um, and, you know, we still don't see maybe like as many explosive plays around the basket or whatever, but he's just, he's just figured it out. All right, John, it's been a few weeks here. We last did this on December 15th. It is time to rule a team out of the playoffs. And of course, we'll be getting to your questions soon here on Twitter Spaces, probably as soon as we're done with this segment. So feel free to get your requests in and uh if you want to harangue us about our all-star picks obviously that would be uh this is your chance to do so okay uh you went first with new orleans last time ruling them out of the playoffs this is going to be a little bit more difficult for for us to do here yep because it seems like most of the teams left are still trying and and new orleans they're like uh they might make the play-in but fortunately the play-in is not the playoffs exactly rely on that still i don't know if i'm comfortable ruling any team in the east out of the playoffs i think i got to go west here and i'm going to pick the portland trail Blazers to wow. rule out okay. of the playoffs because okay. I just it seems like they're going to be in sell mode it seems like they're going to try to do this Warriors rebuild the term that's bouncing around everywhere where they, they took the gap here hilariously the Warriors rebuild led to a guy who isn't even contributing at <laughs> all to them who just soaks up again all he does is cost them 50 million dollars right because of the luxury tax <laughs> yeah J- James Wiseman <laughs> that's the only benefit they got yeah now it did enable them to <laughs> they found Damian Lee and Toscano Anderson like they did some other stuff but yeah a a little bit and they made the Wiggins the Wiggins trade uh, for Russell which uh, turned out to be quite the coup so yeah what would I wonder what the Wolves would look like with Andrew Wiggins still on the team and Jonathan Kaminga or Franz Wagner instead of D'Angelo Russell anyway uh, that's that's too far field but so my thought on the Blazers is it seems like Dame is going to get surgery they're about to go on a six game trip right now without him he's not traveling on that trip doesn't seem like cj's gonna be back anytime soon i think they're gonna trade all their guys away they could potentially hang around and be the 10th seed like they've been a little friskier than expected they've won these two straight at home but i think it's gonna fall off the rails there pretty soon and then that they're just gonna embrace the tank like of all the teams that are left to me it seems like the blazers are the most likely to pivot in the direction of just not trying the rest of the year i would agree with that although they have inadvertently won a couple games this week um which yes. might embolden them um but but they're they're going on a road trip right now they're going to go one in five on this road trip i would guess and they're already uh they are at the moment 16 and 24 so they get to 16 and 30 or 17 and 31 yeah 14 15 games under 500 again i don't feel great about it dame could come back cj could come back they could not trade yeah. everyone and they could that was... actually make the playoffs right like they they still seem to have the most talent of any of these other teams we're thinking about but i just i, I just feel better so maybe because like the kings maybe i should say them because they're gonna just try or the pels well the pels could get zion back i guess but the kings they would try and yeah they might get the 10th seed but they'll have no chance of actually making it out of the play-in as the 10th seed so maybe i should pick the kings i don't know are we gonna differ here we are i'm gonna pick the kings i i still 
still worry about Dame coming back if the Blazers just like are able to luck into a few wins and stay in it. Um, yeah. And I think I think if they got Dame, if they got to tenth and had Dame back, they're good enough to win single elimination games and get themselves into the playoffs, even if they get their asses absolutely kicked once they got there. So. Is there anything sadder right now than the fact that the king that that there are basically so there are six teams at the bottom of the West right now and one of them has to finish in ten and the only one that seems to be like really trying hard for it is is the Sacramento Kings and they're not good enough to do it well, like they're well, just what, not yeah, what, good what enough. about the Pelicans they want this so bad and they just I mean at least the Pelicans they don't have Zion right like what's the Kings yeah they, they have an excuse obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right now, 538 projects that the Pels are going to finish three games ahead of the Kings. <laughs> Like, like this is, this is, this is all they, this is like, they're like kind of being all in about it. And they're, and they're 16 and 27. Um, it's, so it's just, it's just kind of sad. And I don't know what they can do to change that. I mean, maybe you could argue that Fox could just tr- play better. Uh, if they can pull a Ben Simmons rabbit out of a hat, although that would probably well, cost. Well, so this stuff. is interesting. Actually, I saw, I saw this today in Sam Amick's column. Of course, it's being communicated that Ben Simmons will play play at and that these mental health issues will immediately go away but that uh Ben Simmons is going to need like a month to ramp up. It's, uh, it's was what I Amy saw that too. It's like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> what do you mean you need a month? Like, <laughs> well, and so these teams that are trading for him, they they want him to chase the tenth seed this year. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Is, that that yeah. can't help. Yeah. That no, that one to me was wild. Uh, and I almost wonder if he was like throwing that out to dissuade some teams from from trading for him in markets where he might not want to go. Supposedly, he's willing to go anywhere that he can be the big star in but yeah I, that that was that was surprising to me okay anything else on this or should we get into some tour spaces speakers here yeah let's uh let's see what the uh peanut gallery has to say all right let's start with rev greg rev greg rev greg are you there yes i am thank you um I, this is actually a perfect segue um great I'm a fan and um i have a very basic question i'll take it off air um how do you reset a team's culture? Ah, that is that is a, all right. That that is the most concise question we've ever gotten. Although it does require a, a long answer, but yeah, but John, I'll, I'll let you start here since uh, I wouldn't know the first thing. A lot, you know, I think a lot of people talk about. Oh, we want to change the culture here, and uh, you know, we've we've got a culture of losing or whatever. I mean, I, I think the first thing is you get better players, um, but. <laughs> I, and I think too, people focus on the roster when they talk about culture. And I think you really have to understand that it's an organization wide thing. And the roster almost ends up being a reflection of that. And if you don't have culture and stability through the rest of the organization, like it's, you're not just going to get it by magically selecting the right 12 players. Um, but I, I think there's, there, there are some elements of it, um, where it's, it's interesting because I think some people think, and this is with conversations I've had in the league too, like, oh, if we can have a great culture, then that means we can bring in this 
bring in this guy who's kind of sketchy and and he'll be okay because the other guy is around him. And I wonder about that sometimes because I think the real answer is you just don't bring in guys like that in the first place. And that's how you get a great culture. Um, and you really have to be careful with kind of how many guys, If like if you're really trying to build that kind of culture, you need to be careful how many guys like that you have. Um, it's it's well, interesting. Well, so though, let me because, let me ask you this, John. What what does culture even mean? Like, right. what, what does that mean? How do you measure, or, or if not measure it, but how do you how would you describe a great culture? What are we even talking about? So, is everybody rowing in the same direction? Is there a a a spirit of of work and of improvement uh, when when the games aren't happening? Is it a is it a place where the teammate I it's not necessarily that they get along, but that there's there's a spirit of being about the team rather than about themselves. Um, and and sometimes it's just the the mesh of the different characters. I mean, obviously in Memphis we had a situation where we had we had four very different people who were our key players, but it fit and the, it kind of brought out the right parts of each of them uh, to to make that you know what I mean to so that so that it was the culture kind of fit and everyone knew exactly what they were getting when they when they came to Memphis. Um, but I, I also think there's so many elements that people don't think about because there are so many people involved with the basketball team that don't actually play for the team. And you have to get those aspects right too for your culture to really, uh, have a, have a plus impact on your playing situation. Yeah. To me, I think the biggest thing you hit on was just getting everyone rowing in the same direction and not in a situation, in a league where there is plenty of incentive to kind of be out for yourself to get people to buy into the team and also just convince them that it'll be better for you personally if you buy in for the team rather than you know, I don't think that guys do nearly as much kind of gunning for their own stats just trying to get as many points per game as they can as they did 20 or 25 years ago particularly because back then those are the only stats that we had and so there's more of a perception that that was going to get you paid back then than now but yeah I think that's just having everyone on the same page that winning is the most important thing the, those that's what I would say and I think the idea of a culture reset that's probably only necessary to me on teams that are just the absolute worst where they just they don't have they have a lot of guys who are fighting with each other all the time in the locker room or guys just aren't even listening to the coach aren't running the plays that they're told to run just guys aren't improving guys aren't working they're not paying attention in, in film that you can't hold each other accountable i think that's a, a big one to be able to just have a conversation about what we need to do better without people just getting all bent out of shape and pissed off at each other you know yeah. i think that's important to be able to do yeah. but as far as fixing it i think the number one thing as you mentioned is just to get better players and part of the reason for that to me is a lot of these bad culture teams are young teams and part of the reason for that is there isn't really an established hierarchy everyone is young everyone has their whole career in front of them everyone's trying to get that second contract 
everyone was drafted in theory to be a star and that once you get a good top two or three players like you were talking about in memphis then it's like every it's much easier to be like okay this is your role we can define your role like that's that's always what players complain about right? I, I don't know what my role is which oftentimes just means you're not getting enough shots and you want it to be different <laughs> right um but 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 you can't so like you know if you have chris paul and devin booker now all of a sudden on the suns you can say to deandre and hey look like we got chris paul and devin booker like i know you want to get more post-ups but no we need you to play this role we need you to lean into that and then we're going to win the games that way and same thing with mikhail bridges whereas you know deandre ayton's first year it's just booker and he's going to be the second option and he's trying to establish his career and you can't really you're losing games so it's hard to get him to defend more and stuff so i think you just you get the right players around everyone and you can just fit people into roles really helps whereas if you have this young team you just don't have the ability because everyone's like well this guy was drafted number 10 last year i was drafted number 14 this year like why should he i'm just as good as this guy you know it helps too if your best players have leadership skills sure i i think that's a big part of it too all right that was that was a great question and also i mean coaching as well like monty williams what he's done in in phoenix i i bring them up because they're probably the foremost example of changing the culture of yeah, basically any team that I can remember, you know. Yeah, between him and Chris Paul, it was Monty the first year, Chris Paul the second year, and it was like, whoa, okay, what happened here? Yeah, and now their culture, and you got to have a pretty strong culture to overcome what Robert Sarver. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's get into our next question here, and that's going to be from BPM Twitter. If you want to unmute, what do you got for us? How's it going, guys? I have another uh, organization type question that's fairly broad, so I acknowledge you guys will probably have to drill down on just what's relevant to you. But I'm um, mm-hmm. curious if you guys have ever sort of sat and juxtaposed the 90s era Bulls and the current Golden State Warriors. I just think, you know, in terms of their resonance, both in the popular culture, you know, they break through and then they're just such the team of their era and they're so much more popular. You know, Steph is so popular with young fans in a way that in pure numbers might not be comparable to MJ, but everything's so diffuse now that he still kind of stands out. But I'm just curious, you know, whether it's the way the media covers them nationally or locally, the way the team plays, the way, uh, you know, ownership operates their teams. If you've ever sort of thought there's some similarities here or like these teams are noticeably different in these ways. Well, they both employed um, well, Steve Kerr. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I do think there's there's an ethos of ball movement. There's a style that they gravitate to. I think there are some similarities, but I Jordan was way better than Steph Curry, even as, as good as Steph Curry has been, and also just a cultural phenomenon. Right? The 10-part Steph Curry documentary is not going to resonate the way that the 10-part Michael Jordan documentary it resonated. And yeah, you make a great point about the fragmentation of content overall and that it's just impossible for anyone in any cultural sphere to mean as much as our biggest cultural icons did back in the 80s and 90s um but yeah i mean we may never see a bigger cultural icon than michael jordan michael jordan is probably the most famous person in the world at at one point so and uh and and i also think yeah the bulls just were they also won six straight championships without losing any the warriors don't quite have that level of uh of resonance so i don't think from a cultural standpoint it's quite that comparable but the warriors may be the closest thing even in terms of this level of competition 
competing over the period that they have and that 24 game win streak that was probably the height of their popularity right at the beginning of the 15 16 season the 24 game winning the yeah. first 24 games of the year 73 wins the, yep. the regular season is never going to matter again the way it did in that season so they are definitely the closest thing that we've seen since the bulls and probably the heat would be after that but a lot of people really hated the heat which wasn't really the case for the warriors at least early on in their run and they've continued it here looks like it's going to continue for at least another year or two if not more so yeah they're definitely the closest thing since but i i don't consider them comparable overall in part just due to the historical era I I would agree with Nate on that. Like, it's just, I don't know. The the Bulls were just a different level of phenomenon a a little bit. Um, And Curry, especially in that mid-decade part, came close to that and i mean certainly the the thing surrounding like his pregame shooting is like one of the biggest deals that you see in sports now but still at the same time you would say like who is the defining player of the last decade and you would say lebron james and then you would get to Curry, yeah. right so i i don't think it's quite the same all right good good question though. also uh joe lake a little more willing to spend than the reinsdorfs <laughs> Very good point. Okay, I want to get to two more here, and at least one of them, someone new. So let's try JRB. JRB, you're on. Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yeah, what do you got for us? Hey, so a couple of Bulls questions. Uh, First of all, I heard you talk about uh, possible trades for uh, guys like Harrison Barnes and uh, Jeremy Grant, and I was thinking more... They need uh, guys like Larry Nance or uh, Fed Young. Um, small ball fives that can uh, be more athletic, more energetic, and uh, honestly do a better defensive job on Yanis uh, and KD, I think. And secondly, uh, if the season was over tomorrow and Demar DeRozan is a free agent, what kind of contract do you think uh, he could get? Thank you. Well, I think the answer to the second one is he'd probably get a max at this point. Would you, would you say that, Nate? Yeah, well, I, putting aside the idea of who has cap space, yeah, I guess that's probably true if he keeps playing this way. Hey, maybe, maybe it would be more along the lines of like three years, 100 million. I mean, we got yeah. three for 85. Given, given, yeah, given his age. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I think I, I agree with you. It'd be nice to have that small ball center option, but Nikola Vucevic is who they're invested in as the starter in the playoffs he's going to play 35 minutes a game it's really more so having that small ball five would be nice who maybe you could also play at the foursome and as you mentioned could guard Giannis they don't have a great KD option either although the the skill set to guard those two guys is is pretty different but so I I think that'd be nice they can't reacquire Thaddeus Young unless he's traded first again and then waived which is not going to happen and Nance obviously is kind of funny because they could have had him and said they went for that Blazers first which is probably going to roll over until next year says it's lotto protected um yeah i i I don't know what do you think john on that aspect of what they need i still think the four i think biggest i think they they would that guy would play 35 minutes a game right they need a backup five but they need a starting four more right so that's where the priority needs to be no i i think that's fair and they also just someone who can shoot at that position i think is is really important for them absolutely because i think like especially when we get into the postseason like things are going to get a little different for them offensively and the the lack of shooting is still a concern i think when you when you roll into the playoffs with this roster one more shooter i think would help quite a bit with that all right let's get rob mcintyre in here as soon as i add him as the speaker 
this will be our last speaker. Rob, always good to hear from you. What do you got for us? Hey, guys. Uh, I was going to try to harangue you about your all-star picks, but I actually agree with most of them. I think maybe leaving Davis off just because when the guy's hurt already, I, I don't think we know how much how much he's actually going to play this year. Uh, but moving on from that, I was curious what you thought about Gordon Hayward as a key asset in a Ben Simmons trade. I, I, I don't know. Do you like Simmons in Charlotte? I, uh, I'm, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I was actually going to say you could send Simmons to Indiana, then send one of the Indiana centers to Charlotte, and then Hayward goes to Philly with a couple other assets moving around. Okay, that's a little more interesting. Sabonis in Charlotte, Hayward in Philly. Uh, I mean, Charlotte's got to put something else on the table besides Hayward, though. I mean, because he like what what is Gordon Hayward right now? I just don't know if Philly's going to see him as like enough of a difference maker to be like, okay, we got we got our guy. Um, I don't know. Maybe they have to settle for that level of player. I mean, I think their demands are pretty clearly not being met, so that that yeah. they they may have to adjust. Because you could say they could play out the rest of the year with Hayward and go into the summer with Hayward plus assets from the trade that came along with Hayward and pile those into a deal for Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard who or whoever is available this summer. And so it it lets you compete this season and still lets you fight another day. I, I think that type of deal is where Philadelphia ends up, even if they're insisting they're not going to do that right now. Um, so that it is interesting from that perspective because it answers the question of how does Indiana do a deal for Simmons? It's it's Sabonis to a third team. Third team gives Philly their perimeter player, and Charlotte is a really good candidate to be that team. Um, I, I want to pivot on this a little bit, John. What do you make of the reporting that Philly might be trying to include Tobias Harris now in a Simmons deal? Oh, I'm sure they're trying very hard to include Tobias Harris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, but but I I guess let's say they're like, all right, we're just not going to get what we want for Ben Simmons. So we're going to use him as a vehicle to also move Harris. You know, that 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 that's almost the primary return on the deal. If I don't know that that's where they're going, but I I actually kind of like that a little bit because I think Harris is just such a problem for the way they're building their team right now with his inability to really defend very well at the three or the four and just not a, a premium score at the three or the four either. And the big salary slot that he's and just to go in, you get some experience, go into the offseason with a bunch of flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you can turn Harris into expirings, that's a big deal. I have a feeling they're going to have a hard time doing that. If they can shave yeah. off a year and and get rid of that 39 in 23-24 and just have like maybe two mid-sized contracts instead of Tobias Harris that expire in 23, I still think that's a pretty sizable win for them and maybe a more realistic outcome. But getting off two years and $77 million with Harris, I mean, good luck. I mean, just think of the matching salary you need to take Harris Simmons back, right? You got to yes. send out 60 million in players. So, sorry, what's that, Rob? Could you just send Tobias to OKC? I mean, OKC and they're going to just take him. OKC would probably figure in this summit. I mean, even OKC does not have enough cap room to just swallow Tobias Harris. There'd have to be they'd have to trade like Derek Favors back or something. Yeah, but I was. I mean, you could send them a couple of picks, and then like, are they are they really going to compete in the years that contract is on their books anyway? The problem is Tobias Harris could put them in the luxury tax next year. Jeez. <laughs> Um, would it really be that bad that they'd be in the luxury tax next year just with him? 
What if they won the lottery, there'd be a chance of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, they, they got they, that. They would at yeah. least be sweating the tax. They could probably get out, you know, decline yeah. I mean, Mike Muscala's got- team option or whatever. But like the the luxury tax would become a factor right away if they trade for Tobias yeah. Harris. Well, they still and, have and Kemba think, on the yeah. books for $27 million next year. Yeah. And, and I think the issue too is that they don't have the assets, nor would it be a smart use of them to just pay in draft picks to take Harris. I mean, that's like, is that two first round picks you got to give up there maybe? At least one. And they're already out the 25 pick from the Horford trade to... OKC and then so that's why I was thinking if you can have Simmons be the enticement to move on from Harris then they got flexibility there's talk they would like to try to get James Harden I mean that where as of now a sign and trade for Harden would be exceedingly difficult due to their uh, their apron situation where they'd be hard capped and wouldn't be able to fit him in and you know particularly not as at his max salary I guess you know maybe Harris would be the guy in that trade or Simmons would be if he sticks around um John do you have any would you update your guess of the percent chance that he gets traded by the deadline i think last time you said what like 70 percent simmons i i yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna say 80 percent. i i just think oh more now huh yeah okay. i just think i i tend to i tend to operate on the reverse fields theory like when i when i see news news reports that appears leaked that say oh they're insisting that they're not going to trade the guy now i'm like okay that's probably a smokescreen yeah i don't know it, it, it I, could I, be. I i refined my bullshit sensor a little bit in, in my front office time because i would know because i would a lot of times i would know like oh well that's actually i know that's bullshit um and so because i you know because i'd be in on the conversations with these teams and so i think that uh i don't know that re- refined my radar for this stuff a little bit so i guess i'm suspicious of philadelphia's what philadelphia is putting out there versus what actually is likely to happen yeah i i don't know i maybe just only because it's daryl and only because he has been so obvious about his team building strategy over the years and we know what that is as far as getting a second star in that i i'm maybe willing to swallow the tripe a little bit more than i would in the vast majority of cases and it just it it just seems like they are still massively overvaluing ben simmons like i i think to me it's more but that they just may be high on their own supply of what ben simmons is worth and what he can get like i i don't think it'll be the right decision necessarily to wait but i think they may just be uh, they may just be believing that they can do better or just this idea that hey even if there's only a 10 percent chance we can trade him for a star that's better than trading him for this shitty package that just isn't going to help us at all so i don't know i'm fascinated to see how it plays out i i still am putting it in kind of in the 30 to 40 percent chance range that he's traded by the deadline but i guess we'll see which of us that ends up looking better on that but that will do it here for Hollinger and Duncan this week. Of course, you can re- rejoin us next week, 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific, when we've got a lot more trade deadline to discuss uh, as well. Talk about some of the guys that we think are going to be traded and, and put them in order. We got to do that as well. And of course, uh, you can subscribe to this podcast and you can subscribe to Dunked on Prime or The Athletic to read more from John. We'll talk to you all soon. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.